to it. But James chapter 1, verses 2 to 3, uh, is probably actually one of my favorite pieces of scripture. It's one that I hate, uh, but love. We got a love-hate relationship, all right? And I'm going to read it to you, and then you can kind of see why um, I have a love-hate relationship with it. It says this, count it all joy. We like that part. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. We don't like that part. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Well, I don't want my faith tested, so I don't want to be... No, I don't, I don't like this now. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This morning is... I want to speak to you from the subject, uh, forged by fire. Forged by fire, as we deal with the issue of trials in our lives. Uh, I had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend um, we got to uh, hang out with uh, some families that are, that are really close to us, and obviously my family, my, my brother and my sister-in-law, and, and uh, it was really cool because this was like the first year that we haven't really hosted, so it was nice to like leave somebody else's house in shambles and then come back to our own. Um, that was awesome. That was good. Um, so anyways, I got home. We got home probably around 7 or so, 7.30 at night. We got the kids down to bed. And uh, we just chilled out. We sat down. Friday was going to be the day uh, that we were going to go out and get our Christmas tree and everything like that. So we had some pretty strong plans set up. So Eric and I, we finally you know, get into bed about 11 o'clock that night. At about 1 o'clock in the morning, I woke up with the worst toothache I have ever had in my life. How many of you have ever had a toothache before? Like, you know what I'm talking about. This, this toothache was on next level, though. Like, I wanted to jump in front of a truck. Um, that's how bad it was. And so literally all night long, I was in the fetal position, almost like, maybe more like a deer rutting position with my head in my pillow, out on the couch, like just trying to brave through this pain that I was feeling. It was going everywhere, the worst possible toothache I could, I could have. And so I'm up all night long. And so the only way, and I'm like looking on the internet to try to find dentists who are going to be open on, on Friday, knowing that more than likely I'm going to need a root canal and all this stuff is happening. And so while I'm trying to like bide my time here, I decided that I was going to watch some some movies. And I first started out with Netflix um, with the show Meat Eater. I don't know if you've ever seen the show before, um, but it's not the best show to watch when you have a toothache because you're just like, I want to gnaw on meat right now. And, uh, and if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry, you're missing out. So um, <laughs> I love you vegetarians. Welcome. Okay. So, so I'm watching Meat Eater and then I got bored with Meat Eater and I'm like, hey, well, while my tooth is in extreme pain right now, I guess I'm going to watch another movie. So I decided Lord of the Rings was uh, the best movie I could watch uh, on this at this moment. And so I turned on Lord of the Rings and in my pain and in, in the severity of pain, as I'm watching the, this movie, Lord of the Rings, this, this illustration kind of came to me and, and I'm, I'm like, oh man, this is perfect for my message. Because if you remember, the ring for Lord of the Rings was forged in fire. The strength of the ring that they were dealing with throughout this entire movie was found in the fire that it was forged in. And if you remember, little Frodo had to go and make sure that he threw the ring back in, in the fire because that was going to be the only way that it was destroyed because the very strength of that fire was the only thing that could destroy the strength of that ring. And, and, and I love this movie. Any Lord of the Rings fans in here? Come on. In, okay, a few of us in here. The Lord's people. And so... <laughs> So I'm watching this, and as I'm watching this, I really felt God like kind of start speaking to me about this issue, that our lives are no different. That the strength of our lives is actually forged in fire. The strength and integrity and character of our lives is actually forged in fire. But the problem is, is that most, most of us don't like that idea. We don't want to be forged in fire. It doesn't sound, well, 
nice. Our lives are no different. This morning, I want to look at the subject of trials and really just make a few observations and encourage those of us who may be facing trials this morning, maybe facing moments that are uncomfortable and when things aren't going our way and they don't look the best, and hopefully give us some encouragement to keep on going. Now, I know for some of us this morning, this, this may be a message where you're like, hey, Pastor Jason, things are going awesome in life right now, and I congratulate you. Fantastic, all right? That's good. But here's my K-Love moment. You too will face trials. <laughs> I know, positive encouraging, right? You too will face trials at some point or another. Come on, how many of you have ever dealt with a trial before in life? Come on, show of hands. No judgment in here. All right, see, most of us have. And if you're not right now, fantastic. But I know that there will be a point in life where you will. So we have to understand that there are going to be trials. They're gonna be the things that are thrown at us unexpected and for sure not a part of what we planned. Come on, any of the planners know in here that even life doesn't go according to your plans, right? See, trials take many forms in our lives. Physical pain, frustrated hopes, depression, isolation, loneliness, grief, anxiety, spiritual crisis. For some of us, our, our trials are centered around our stuff, our jobs, our, our relationships. We are facing trials of many kinds because of these things. See, if you have the belief that in life you will never face trials, especially as a Christ follower, just let me offer you a re- reality check you will. I-, I hear a lot of Christ followers, especially a lot of Christians say, well, I'm a Christian, and, and because I love Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen. And I'm like, have you read the Bible? Just putting it out there. Because from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the front to the back, it's all about how to still love God in the midst of our trials. But I think what we're doing, especially in our American culture, is we're creating Christians who believe somehow that as Christ followers, we will never have trials in our life. And I think that's weak Christianity at best. Jesus never said that we wouldn't have trials. He actually said quite the opposite. He said, you're going to have trials, but take hope. I have overcome the world. I'm going to be with you in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your storms. And so we got we to deal with this, this subject. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bounce Old Testament now to Daniel chapter 3. I want to highlight this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some of my favorite, favorite characters. How many of you have heard this story before or maybe watched it on Veggie Tales? I got you. I know where you get your Bible from. Okay. It's all right. Pastor Mike and I have, have deemed this morning that, that VeggieTales is theologically appropriate. So if you need to go there first, it's okay. If it's like you're, you're shallow into the Bible, we're good. All right. And so I want to I wanna tell this story, and then we're going to bounce back to James, all right? Because James is kind of like this umbrella for us, count it all joy, my, my brothers, as you, as you face various trials. We're going to look at Shadrach, Mac, Meshach, and Abednego because they actually faced them. They taught us some stuff. I'm going to make some observations about this story, and then we're going to bounce back to James. We're going to talk about some essentials that we need in order to walk through the trials of life. But Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 30, account for us the story of Shadrach. Meshach, and Abednego. 
And these guys were guys that were kind of rising in, in power. Nebuchadnezzar, the king at that time, kind of liked these guys. But then with some people that were involved in Nebuchadnezzar's life, they, they kind of got him to, to sidestep things and start worshiping an idol and then make this decree that everybody had to worship this, this idol. And so Nebuchadnezzar sends out the plan. He says, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen. We pick up in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound, and this was his decree of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, which uh, I've asked Pastor Justin to bring those into worship set. Um, how many of you think a bagpipe would be pretty awesome? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, so do I. And every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well and good. Then he says this, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, how many of you guys know that that's not like the, the best of equations, right? Like here are your two options. You worship, you bow down, or I cast you into a fiery furnace. And then he, and then he says this, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And that's some strong words. But watch this, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. He said, talk to the hand. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, we will not serve our God, your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Mic drop. That is their appeal to King Nebuchadnezzar. I love it. Now, what they find out is that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't like their appeal, and so he tosses them into the fiery furnace. He says, all right, away with you. Bible tells us that the guys who actually took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace, as they were placing them in, it was so hot that they would burn up. And so they wait for a little while, expecting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be burnt up, and then Nebuchadnezzar sees something very interesting. They put three men in the furnace, but as he looks in, there is a fourth which freaks Nebuchadnezzar out. He said, wait a second, what is going on? And what I love about this storyline is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they teach us some things that are really important for us to understand before we get back to James. The first thing that we have to understand is that commitment always has a cost. And for a lot of us, the trials that we face in life is because of the commitments that we make in life. No matter what the commitment may be, it may be the commitment to be in a relationship with somebody, it may be your commitment to God, but no matter what, commitment has a cost. And I don't know about you, but I think we're living in a world now where everybody skirts commitment because of this issue. We don't want to commit because we understand commitment has cost. Commitment has cost. But I love this commitment. I gladly wear this commitment, but it's cost me. It's cost her. My commitment to God has cost me. See, sometimes I think we paint this picture that it's all just kind of like butterflies and roses and fields of gold and sting playing in the background while you gallop through it. Like, being a Christian is so nice. No, it will cost you. 
And as a pastor, I have to tell us this because the strength of our, our faith and the strength of our churches is reliant upon us understanding that commitment costs and it costs us dearly. Here's another thing that we can learn from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their faith was built on belief, not benefit. Their faith was built on belief, not benefit. What I loved about these guys is that they weren't, they didn't care that there was, that there was something that was going to happen to them because of their commitment. But they said this, listen to what they said. They said, but even if you throw us into the fiery furnace, some of us need to hear this this morning. We got to get our butt in the right place. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abigail had their butt in the right place. But even if, but sometimes we get it twisted. We say this, if you save me, God, then I will. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abigail, they had the other way. No matter what, I'm going to still be faithful. I'm not going to bow down to that, to that golden image. Another thing that we learned is that things can get worse. <laughs> I know you wanted to hear that this morning. I thought we were celebrating Thanksgiving this weekend. <laughs> What you learn at church today? Things can get worse. <laughs> I want to go back there. Things can get worse. But there's a reason that we need to understand that things can get worse. It's because God is still always better. Even in the worst moments of life, God is still always better. But here's another thing that we understand. Verses 24 and 25 teach us that it may look done, but it's not over. It may look done, but it's not over. And some of us have looked at life, our lives, and we're like, it's done. I'm giving up. This addiction's got me. This, this brokenness is, is killing me. This relationship is over. It's done. It may look done, but in God's hands, it's never over. It's never over. If you have breath in your lungs this morning, it ain't over. Come on, I'm going to say that one more time for us this morning. If you have breath in your lungs this morning, it ain't over. That ain't proper English. I ain't caring. It ain't over. <laughs> Come on, turn your neighbor this morning and say, it ain't over. It ain't over. But I love this. Verses 26 through 30 tell us that your trials will make way for others' transformation. Eventually, Nebuchadnezzar's heart changes because of, well, God showing up in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's life. And for many of us, we try to get rid of our trials. But maybe your trials are the very thing that God needs to be involved in so that others can see how good Jesus is. Right? Stephen's going through something, and the way Stephen handles it, I'm looking in the background because I'm looking at Stephen, and I'm like, man, I know what's going on in Stephen's life, and I'm watching him, and I'm like, are you kidding me? How is he, like, how is he still playing on? How is he still worshiping? How is he still raising his kids? How is he still loving his wife? How is he still showing up to church? How is he still doing his thing with all that going on? Maybe I'm missing something that I need, and Stephen pointed me to Jesus simply because he walked through his trials with Jesus right in his camp. So our trials actually make way for others' transformations. So this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shows us. This is what they show us is possible. The question then is how? How does that happen? How do we develop that? James teaches us that. Let's read it one more time. James chapter one. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be Perfect and complete, lacking 
Nothing. Three words in here. Count. No. All right? I'll get to the third one in a minute. They want to focus on these first two. The first thing that James teaches us is this. This is the how we do it. Is we have to have a joyful attitude. Now, my wife, bless her heart, she does my slides. She's awesome at it. She decided that she was going to change my point this morning. Um, so up there, she wrote a Jesus attitude, which works. It's theologically correct as well. But she just decided to arbitrarily say, I don't like your point. I'm going to change it to a Jesus attitude. So that's why that's there. But the first one I want you to hear this morning is this, is that we have to maintain a joyful attitude. Come on, return your neighbor and say attitude. Attitude. Any parents in here have kids that have a bad attitude at times? Oh, yeah. Come on. Any kids in here that have parents with a bad attitude at times? Come on. We're looking. We're looking. <laughs> have you ever noticed that attitudes, they, they affect everything, right? They affect everything. Our disposition affects everything. I know that um, in a morning, like we had kind of this morning, we had a rough morning in our house. The kids weren't listening and doing what we needed to do. We had a whole system that we have in the morning to get us ready for church and everything like that. And so dad came out. And again, like I said, I'm a human being. So, you know, dad came out and he was a little frustrated. So mom's dealing with, and this is real time. This happened this morning. Mom's dealing with the kids the way mom needs to deal with them. But dad decided it's time for iron fist. Dads, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so we kind of got into a little spat this morning and I was like, I just took care of something in two minutes that took you 20 minutes, right? She's like, yeah, but your attitude sucks. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Attitudes do, they do a lot to the situations that we, that we face in life. And James is actually saying that our attitude is so important. So he says, count it all joy. Joy in the midst of our Trials. This idea cuts against everything that we know and understand about life and our response to it. We believe inherently that our attitude should reflect our situation. But I want to submit to you this morning that our attitude should reflect our Savior. Our attitude shouldn't reflect our situation. Our attitude should reflect our Savior. And when our attitude reflects our Savior, all of a sudden our situation has a tendency not to look the way that we previously viewed it as. See, these ideas of joy and trials seemingly stand in opposition to each other. And we don't know how James could submit to us that they go together. But this answer is found in the word to count. See, we develop a joyful attitude when we understand the call to to count. So what does that mean? Throughout the Bible, there are people who turn defeat into victory, trial into triumph. Instead of being victims, they became victors. But it was found in their ability to count. To count. Well, what does it mean to count? It means that when we face trials in life, we must be able to evaluate them in the light of what God is doing for us and in us. Have you ever been that type of person, maybe, I know I have before, where everything's going awesome, you're just like, yeah, you're just pumped, everything, so good, God, you're so awesome, and you come into church, and everything's awesome, everything is awesome, like, it's just the Lego story for you, and it's, everything's going really good, and then the minute something happens in life, you're like, God, where are you? You've never been with me. 
It's amazing how many people I see ditch their relationship with Jesus because they believe somehow that the minute there's a trial, he's never been there. We gotta be able to count. Some of us need to learn to count this morning. We need to learn to count God's blessings in our life. We need to be able to learn how to look at our situation and go, man, in the light of eternity, I know that this may not be going the way that I want it, but I'm counting God has been here. He's done this. He saved me here. I know my wife has got some amazing stories, and I sit back and I listen to her so many times, literally, where she could have died. Things have happened to her in her life, and if you want those stories, go talk with her. But I I, I look at her, and she's loved Jesus and continues to love Jesus and be faith-filled, even at times that I'm not faith-filled, when she has every reason not to be faith-filled, but every single time we face a situation, my wife counts. She literally counts. Remember this? 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 Take your socks off because we're getting to 15. Remember this? Remember this? Remember this? Come on, somebody. We got to start counting some stuff. We got to start counting some stuff. We got to start counting his blessings. We're not dismisses, but we got to count. We got to count. And so the first thing that we have to have is a joyful attitude, but a joyful attitude is produced by simply counting. When she starts counting, I start getting happy again. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Oh, my gosh, God did that. I can't believe he did that. Holy smokes, he did that. And then I look at my situation, I'm like, all right, come on, God's going to do that. Because we counted. Because we counted. A joyful attitude. Second thing that James teaches us is this. We have to have an understanding mind. We have to have an understanding mind. James inserts this truth when he says to know, right? He says, know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What do we need to know? We need to know that our faith is always tested in trial. See, when God called Abraham to live by faith, he tested him in order to increase his faith. God always tests us to bring out the best. Satan tempts us to bring out the worst. They are two different realities in our lives. Now, not every bad thing that happens in your life is is God's hand. Let's, Let's not get it twisted, all right? Let's theologically not get it twisted here because I hear a lot of people running around and God's testing me, right? He chopped my arm off. I have no arm. He's testing me. I'm like, no, no, he didn't. Mm-mm. That's, not, that's not how it worked. He's given me this sickness. He's taken away all my money. He's testing me. No, no, that's not really how it goes. He uses the trials of life that we're in to test us, though, so that our character can grow. Because God's more concerned about our character than he is anything else. He wants to develop us. A lot of us don't like that reality, though talk to a lot of young people who are going through trials in their life because of the relationships that they've formed. Not just young people, every people. Right? And they're like, I can't believe, I can't believe this relationship. Like, I can't believe I've gotten here. I was talking to one person. They're like, man, I can't believe that, that I just, I, I ended up here, you know, we met in a club and I thought it was going to be awesome. And I'm like, wait, let's get back to the club part. And you think Jesus is testing you. You got yourself into a trial 
The question is, is are you going to allow God to refine you? So these are some of the things that we got to start getting in our head. So he says, no, know some things. What are some other things that we need to know? Well, we need to know that trials work for the believer, not against him. And we know that all things work together for good, Romans 8.28. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, 2 Corinthians 4.17. Our trials actually work for us. Turn to your neighbor and say this, bring it on, baby. Come on. (laughs) We need to actually welcome our trials. Imagine that disposition. Imagine, Imagine looking through the lens of welcoming our trials instead of being so adverse to them. Imagine how that would change our churches, our faith, our schools, everywhere we find ourselves. If all of a sudden we would kind of with open arms go, okay, here's another trial. I guess God's trying to do something in me. I guess he's trying to mature me. I guess he's trying to build my, my character. He's doing something new in me. Trials rightly used help us to mature. If anybody ever tells you that they're a mature Christian, fire back with this question. How'd you do in your last trial? Did you survive? Did you throw it out for a while until the trial was passed and then all of a sudden you can love Jesus again? I know, Thanksgiving weekend, I had to get all challenging and everything. <laughs> but like, look, these are the harder verses of the Bible that, that look, as your pastor, I gotta dig into them. We, got, we gotta go for it. See, in the Bible, patience is not a passive acceptance of circumstances. It's a courageous perseverance in the face of suffering and difficulty. See, the only way that God can develop patience and character in our lives is through trials. We must understand that endurance will not be developed by simply reading a book. Endurance will not be developed by listening to another podcast or even praying another prayer. We must go through the difficulties of life, trust God, obey him, and the result will be patience and character. Knowing this, we can face trials joyfully. We know that trials will do in us and for us, and we know that at the end, the result will bring glory to God. My, my little boy, um, after my tooth started freaking out on Thursday night, we told them, that Friday, we're going to go get a Christmas tree, we're going to go do our thing, we're going to decorate the house, everything like that. Well, my little guy is, at least right now, extremely A-type. Like, once he gets it in his head, everything else is gone. Like, bull in a china shop, like, on it. And so, as I'm writhing in pain on the way to the dentist, who was a savior, this guy was awesome, um, I, seriously, he came in in Cowboys jeans, a Cabela shirt, and a hat on. And I was like, are you going to take me out back and just yank this thing? Like, what are we doing? Like, but this guy, seriously, he had my root canal done. And like, the, I mean, it was so fast, I couldn't believe it. And it was done. It was like, thank you. You are a savior. <laughs> but the whole time I'm in there getting this done, Eric is trying to like talk our kids off a cliff. Because they didn't care that dad's face was on fire. They wanted their tree. Right? 
Mommy's trying to explain, hey, listen, Shiloh Justice, like, here's the deal. See, dad's, dad's face is broken, and it, it's hurting severely right now. He's in a lot of pain. Like, he's in the dentist chair, and they're, like, jabbing him in the face with, like, sharp objects and everything like that. Like, remember when you broke your arm, Shiloh? We dropped everything for you. When do we get in the tree? In that moment, there was some parenting taking place. We were teaching them to be patient, to be flexible, to like, hey, things are going to change and it's not going to always go your way. Like, we got to flex a little bit. Blessed are the flexible for they shall not break. It's the 11th commandment. It's in there. So we're teaching. Some of you are like, really, is it? <laughs> You went to seminary, you should know, bro. <laughs> but it's amazing how we act that way with God. Right? The trial presents itself in our life, and we're like, uh, did you not see this coming? Are you, are you serious, God? Like, I had my plan. I had my five-year plan. I had my one-year, my three-year, and my five-year I had my 401k, I had my savings, I had the place that I thought I was always going to be, I had the friends that I they loved, the house that I loved, the job that I liked, the education that I thought was going to take me care. I've had everything that I've wanted and needed, but wait a second, things have changed. Are you kidding me, God? But he's building something. He's doing something. So we have to have a mind that that knows that he's developing something in us. What is he developing in you this morning? What new truth is he trying to awaken in your life this morning? What new reality is he trying to birth in your life this year? I want to submit to you, friends, this morning that our trials actually make us better not worse. It may feel worse, but they make us better. And the third thing that James, te James teaches us is this, is we have to have a surrendered will. I want you to hear this this morning. If you're taking notes, please write this down. If you need to, grab a pen and jot it down on your neighbor's arm next to you and then get it afterwards. God cannot build our character without our cooperation. James highlights this when he encourages us to let. He says, let. Let's read it one more time. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And then he says, and let. Let it happen. Be okay with it. Matthew chapter 26 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, 
not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Some of you have wondered where that comes from. There it is. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. There's a second time. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. And so leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. Three times Jesus said, I don't want this. God, if you could take this away from me, please do it. But nevertheless, I surrender. God, if you could take this away, please do it. But nevertheless, I surrender. God, this is going to be hard. But nevertheless, I surrender. The only way we cooperate with God in the building of our lives is through a surrendered will. Get a lot of questions about the way that we worship around here. We're passionate about worship if you haven't noticed. Love worship. Our worship is not a style, just so you know. Our worship is an outcry. And as I watch in awe every single weekend, there's this thing that you see people do. Your neighbors do it. I do it. Lift our hands. And for some, this could be like a weird thing. You're like, why are you, why are you doing this lifting of the hands? And I want you to hear this this morning. When we lift our hands to Jesus, it's actually a biblical thing. When we lift our hands, it's an act of surrender. Right? If a cop says, hey, Freeze! Right? It's a surrender to authority. Because if Sean walks up to you and he says, hey, freeze, you'd be like, what are you talking about, bro? Uh-uh. If I walked up to you and said, freeze, you'd be like, right? But somebody with authority walks up to you and they say, freeze, you're like, I surrender. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying, hey, guys, listen up. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose for you, but I need you to Freeze. I need you to surrender. I need you to lift your hands to me and let go of everything else so that I can do in and through you my plan and my purpose and my will. Would you just surrender? And even Jesus had to go through it. Hebrews tells us that Jesus endured the same things that we're going to endure. And in that moment, he had an option, but he said, nevertheless, your will be done. I surrender my will. One of the greatest reasons that we hate trials is because we hate to surrender. We want to be in control. We want to have it at hand. We, I, me. But God's saying, uh-uh, listen. You can do some pretty great things on your own. But when surrendered to me, there's no telling what can be done with that life. Church this morning, Allow ourselves to be forged by fire. The strength of our lives is found in the trials that we face. My prayer is this, this year as we go through stuff, 
as the prayer requests come in, let's remember one thing. He is faithful to complete that which he started in our lives. Would you stand to your feet with me?